Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today and I hope you are having a great weekend wherever you are um, and a great day ahead because the weekends are fantastic. Uh, the summer is coming upon us but if you're in India the summer is already here. Now, I know my friends say it's hot but look guys, you know, every season had its plus and minuses and... Uh, you know, uh, put the fan on, um, go, you know, get up early, go to sleep late, um, uh, you know, spend most of the daylight indoors and the evenings outside and it'll be fantastic. Water, 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 and it'll be good. Um, I know it's difficult for some people, but uh, I'm thinking of you um, here where I am in North America. Summer is always a beautiful time of the day, of the of the season. Um, and, and so we have it. So yesterday I, I talked about why Pakistan is failing. What is the mentality behind Pakistan's failure? What is the mentality behind the Islamic failure? You've got the bulk of Islamic population under the poverty line. Everywhere you go, you have... Um, advertisements all over the Islamic world to give your zakat, make payments, zakat, 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 payments for poverty, no water, no wealth. I mean, you've got the best religion, best ideology, best uh, inventions, uh, the golden age, the golden age apparently, but you cannot convert it into economics. The bulk of the economics of this golden age was slavery, my friends. Slavery was the bulk of the economics of this age. They invaded lands, they robbed their money, they took over the lands, they enslaved people and made the slaves work, and that's why it, it, it became the golden age. So the moment you have slaves doing your work, it's free labor, practically free labor. They're working for you for free. You're reaping the rewards, and when you're reaping the rewards, obviously, uh, you're going to make money. Money means you can build things, you can empower yourselves, you can buy things, you can build fortresses, you can build education institutions, but it's all because of slavery, okay? Um, ever since then, your slaves are not going to be forever, you're going to revolt, and they revolted, and as they revolted, the empires came tumbling down. Even if there were other empires that came up, they also came tumbling down, and we see the same situation today. The investment is on ideology and the investment, the bulk of the investment is not in economics and education. The, the main goal of education of the Islamic societies of the world, um, bearing the last few decades in some countries like the UAE, Qatar, uh, you know, Jordan, you have um, some other countries, uh, Bahrain, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, the rest of it is, um, is mostly in the Quran. You have to get to know the Quran first. And that is uh, a sucker always. It never works. Uh, any ideology doesn't work if you have only ideology because it's important to understand without economics, you have no reason to exist. Economics is not about ideologies. Economics is the buying and selling of goods and services so that you survive. Um, so, um, I'm going to tell you in America, 
why do Indians always do well? And then we'll come to Indians in India, okay? And I got this uh, documentary from Valuetainment. I will put a link on uh, the on my website on Hub Hopper. Valuetainment. It's a fantastic website of uh, Iranian American in in the United States. Look, he is fantastic. His podcast, his uh, platform on YouTube is fantastic, and I would suggest to all of you to take, uh, you know, click on the link. Uh, there's another gentleman who I took it from, Benjamin Jenks, an American in India. And um, he too, um, he too has talks about this. And many people talk about this, but these are some of the data I got b- mainly from Valuetainment, fantastic uh, podcast, and Benjamin Jenks. Okay, so Indians in the US, okay, they are the group that does... Um, is the smallest group, one of the smallest groups in the U.S., 1% of Americans, um, 1% of Americans are absolutely um, Indian Americans, but they contribute to 8% of the income, okay? Now, when you look at the income levels of immigrants in the country, Indians, Indian Americans, come the top, uh, on the top. So they earn an average of 120 thousand um hundred and twenty thousand uh u.s dollars per year okay that's the annual income uh however uh all the others do not come close even close uh so You've got uh, Taiwanese are 95,000K, Chinese after them, the Pakistanis, the Indonesians, um, and they are literally, um, then after, after that, you've got the whites, okay? Uh, the European people of Europe in this. So like I said, yes, uh, Indians, uh, 119,000, Taiwanese, 95,000, Chinese, 81,000, Japanese, 80,000, Pakistani, 77,000, and on the list goes Filipino, Indonesian, Korean, Cambodian, uh, uh, Hmong, Vietnamese, white, $66,000 only. Uh, So you see the Indian Americans in the United States are doing fantastically well. Um, Again... Here's some more stats. Um, your uh, white Americans, or should I say Americans with European descent, um, are trying to ask for four-day weeks, but no Indian is going to do four-day week, four weeks. They'll say, yeah, we'll take a four-day week, but we're going to get a second job after that. Uh, they're here in America to make money, and, and that's the whole purpose of being there. Now, let's look at poverty rates for Indians in the United States. Okay, so 13% of Americans live in poverty, only 6% of Indian Americans live in poverty, and 10% of Asian Americans live in poverty. So uh, Indian Americans way below the the mark um, of the average. Um, Now let's look at bachelor's degree, okay? Bachelor's degree for um, Indian Americans or educational degrees for Indian Americans. 80% 80% of Indian Americans, um, 80% of Indian Americans uh, have bachelor's degree or some type of 
prof, uh, yeah, bachelor's degree, sorry. Only one third of other Americans have uh, Amer- uh, degrees, okay? Either foreign-born or U.S.-born adults. So that's 33% of them have uh, educational degrees, uh, bachelor's degrees, versus 80% of Indian Americans. Um, Indian Americans, 49% have some sort of professional degree or a postgraduate degree. Uh, compared to 15% of foreign-born immigrants other, other than Indians and 13% of U.S.-born adults. Uh, we know that a lot of people go to college and get useless degrees, whoever they are, okay? Um, and um, people don't know what to concentrate on, what is getting them in the money and getting them, um, getting them the high-paying jobs. We know STEM education, that's science, technology, econ- engineering, and maths, um, get you the most highest-paying jobs and get you to evolve. Now, um, that is something that's very important, and Indian Americans buy by this automatically. So, 35% of Indian Americans are in, th- in com- maths and computer science, 36% in engineering, 10% in business, uh, 6% physical life sciences, 2% in social sciences, 1% undeclared, 1% in education. Um, health professionals are only 3%, applied arts are 2%, uh, humanities 1%, intensive English 1%. The bulk of them go into maths and computer and uh, 35% and 36% engineering. So right off the bat, 70% doing something that is bringing them in big money and creating more opportunities in trickle-down economics. That is something to take a note of of Indian Americans. So why are the others not doing well? Because this is what the American Indian Americans are doing. Very, very important. Um, and if you don't understand that, if you want to understand why they're doing so well, that is the reason why. Uh, now, what are Indian Americans working in? Okay, employed uh, in the U.S. civilian labor force. Okay, um, a a twenty twenty one study shows seven in management, business, science, and arts occupations. Uh, Indian Americans are occupied use seventy nine percent of that space, or should I say, seventy nine percent of Indian Americans work in management, business, science arts and arts occupations. Only 5% work in service occupations, 10% in sales, uh, 1% in natural resources construction, uh, 6% in transport and material or moving occupation. Um, So you see the biggest industries where they make the most money, that's management, business and science, is where the Indian Americans are located the most. Versus the other uh, um, other Americans, other immigrants, and U.S. born citizens, only thirty between thirty seven and forty three percent work in management, um, twenty one and fifteen percent work in in service, sales and office occupations between fifteen and twenty one percent for uh, other immigrants and U.S. born citizens, between eight and twelve percent in natural resources and maintenance and construction, uh, for other immigrants and. And, uh, 15 to 13% production and transportation. So you see where the Indian Americans are making the money. That means you're investing in STEM education, that's science, technology, um, science, technology, engineering, and math. And they're using it in these fields, and that's why they're doing much better. Um, and so 
it is important, very, very important to get into, to understand the data behind this, uh, because that is where we do the best and, and for future generations to understand and other non-Indians to understand. Okay. Uh, now, so yes, um, what was I going to say over here? Just Okay, so Indian Americans, um, 8%, 1% of the population, but only 8% but eight of all founders of high-tech companies are Indians. Okay, that's very important to note. 1% of, uh, one-third of technology startups in U.S. and Silicon Valley are all Indians, my said, one-third. Compared to everyone else, native-born, American-born, uh, education societies, 8% of Indians form the founders of high-tech companies. And here are some of the examples. Jay Chowdhury, 8.3 billion. Uh, Vivek Khosla, if I'm not mistaken, 5.3 billion net worth. Ramesh Vadvani, net worth 5.3 billion. Rakesh Gangway, net worth 4 billion. Uh, Niraj Shah, net worth 2.5 billion. Anil Bushari, net worth 2.3 billion. Very common for... Um, for this to happen. Why? Because we're investing in STEM education, and that is important to understand. Now, uh, what are some of the factors? Um, what are some of the factors? Um, very common for multiple Indian families to live together, join families or big families, and build a home together while building a business. So these are all family businesses. Um, so that's one of the reasons. Now, Indian Americans have the lowest divorce rate in, in the country. So arranged marriages, divorce, uh, it could be a variety of reasons, but the divorce rates in America, African Americans, 30.8%, Hispanics, 185 European descent, 15.1%, other 12.4%, which is not the case of Indian Americans. So what are some of the reasons that we do so well in the United States and even in India? Look at the economic situation in India. It's improving all across the board, my friend. Um, now, this is what some people say, okay? And, and this is what Value Entertainment says. He said he got this. They got this um, from a channel. Just bear with me here. Uh, I'm trying to get this channel here. Uh, he got this from an Indian parenting uh, um, website. Now, I don't agree with this. Okay, This is something I do not agree with. It, but I will take it. I will speak it out. Okay, Spell it out. Indian American parents, or should I say Indian parents, promote kinship from birth to marriage and beyond. Uh, Indian parents concentrate on family. They sacrifice a lot for their children. Indian mothers and fathers make sacrifices, trustworthy, and their parents are very, parents, Indian parents are very friendly with their children. Oh my God, I had to roll my eyes for this. This is not happening. I don't know where he gets this from. Here's another one. Indian parents spend quality time with their children, and I'm going, nope, not happening. Uh, they spend great times with their wards instead of letting them grow their own way. They nurture the talents. Indian parents that are extremely good at identifying the talents of their children and nurturing them. They hold hard to enhance their special gifts. Loving Indian parents, parents of Indian, Indian 
immigrants are loving. Oh my God, I don't think so. I don't know if this is right. You probably got more slaps in your youth than you uh, than than, than uh, the love you got. You know, you you did everything out of fear. More importantly, um, so. What is the real reason? They don't know, but here's some of the other uh, important points that they bring about. Uh, perseverance. Indians are very persevering. Indians are introverted compared to Americans are extroverted. So you'll find Americans screaming and yelling and, and, and all of the above and talking loudly, while Indian Americans are very decent. It is a fact. And, but that American attitude is now coming to India with their wokeness, with their screaming, with their yelling, with their lack of uh, any culture, lack of uh, dignity, no class. You can see all these, these so-called new generations saying, I have rights and blah, 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 and talking over everyone. It is disgusting. But yes, Indians are more decent, more, um, more, um, have got more class um, over here. Um, some of the other reasons is English fluency. People who come here from India have got English already, a background, a generation of two English. And that's very good because they have negotiating skills. Um, and that puts them over the Chinese who come here who have great talent and great educational degrees. But because they don't speak English or English is not their first language, they don't go very far. Um, now, we know that Indians are the second most English-speaking country in the world, and the United Kingdom comes after that. Uh, here is something else. Indian parents are very inquisitive. The parents are watchful over, over the activities of their, of their, of their children. Maybe. Uh, Indian parents still have fundamental values, culture in their parents, um, from bought by their parents and start right at childhood. Indian parents make it a point to install the same values to their children. Religious tolerance in India. India is a land of diversity with culture, ethnic and races. Indian parents let them respect in different cultures and values from different cultures. Indian parents are highly judgmental um, and that makes them keeping their children within boundaries. Most parents are multitasking in keeping between their personal and professional lives. And uh, in the end, they say that there's no secret sauce, there's no secret uh, equation. Um, you know, uh, success means hard work from the beginning of the morning to the end of the morning. And that is how they do it. Um, Basically, you know, he's given all the fancy points, but I have to say, why do Indians do well and why does Indians, even in India, is, is such an economic powerhouse, even after being bought to our knees by, by 1,500 years of colonization from the Arabs to the, um, to the Persians, through the uh, North uh, Central Asians, through the Huns, the, the uh, Delhi Sultanate, the Ghaznavids, um, and all of the above, um, you know, the Mughals, uh, the Europeans, and so on and so forth, uh, 
we've still rising up again and again and again because the earth is cyclic and that is the basis of indian psychology we are cyclic we know we are cyclic we know that we are currents and waves it's our currents that form the waves and cycle after cycle you have to make every junction into an intellectual laboratory learn from it empower yourself with the knowledge and use that knowledge to be ready for a new day of success again and again and again and we know that most other ideologies understand that we are flat abrahamic ideologies understand that we are flattered and if you fail you're going to hell so that mentality of do not fail you must you should you have to is basically you know telling you is scared putting the fear into you because they understand if it doesn't work then you're dead uh, because that's what the ideology says the ideology says you're going to hell and if you die it's over you're going to heaven or you're going to hell so it's over so you might you have to be successful where whereas dharmic ideologies tell you very clearly that you are cyclic you are not a flat earth and that is the basis of of dharmic societies versus abrahamic societies and i've done a podcast on this um but here we are some of the nice comments that indians put on these videos and and here you go he says one guy says there are only four categories career categories in india okay one is doctor the other is engineer the third is civil services and the other is your disgrace of the family i mean oh my goodness gracious me that is i was laughing my eyes out my ears out because it's true you know the parents want you to be doctors engineers civil services government jobs get a government job or your disgrace and and this is so true here's another guy who says very clearly um in india even if you get 98% in your exams parents will care about uh, the 2% where the 2% went he says yes it happened to all of us and and it's true you know you you come on with a 98% mark and you're like wow i got 98% and mom i got 98% and the first thing they'll ask is not congratulations but they'll say where did the 2% go uh i mean it's hilarious so we have seen now that there are uh, you know variety of reasons that people have given for the for the uh for the reason why indian americans do well and not only that um we we okay so we'll go back to what the main reason is okay like i said okay i don't agree with those reasons mentioned there but uh the basis of indian society even for those who have been converted because they live in a majoritarily dharmic religion uh, i am um, country they live in a uh dharmic or hindu nation as we call it today they they're psychic their inner dna knows one thing the inner dna has not been wiped off you can't wipe off your past because it's embedded in your dna and those still currents that form the waves so your duty is dharma artha kama and moksha okay that that's your duties uh your your duty is um to follow these four principles and it will happen automatically it's just you have to know what's going on so it's like a iceberg your eye you're the iceberg the 95% is already your subconscious and it's already doing this uh 
but five percent is you you have to coordinate with your uh, your the conscious with your subconscious that is very important for you so the only thing we're doing here is telling you how your subconscious works how your metaphysical works and you have to align yagna align yourself with your subconscious and it will work so we know we are cyclic we are born out of dust we are born after nine months and our duty from the from the from the time we are born through our parents through the time we gain the knowledge uh, to uh, 22 23 years old is to do our duty to gain knowledge that is our duty that is the time in life that we invest in the foundation of success knowledge 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 that is our duty and that is the basis of dharmic life okay from that once we gain adulthood once we've gained this knowledge then we uh, again we take that knowledge and we use it to uh, empower ourselves with economics, gain uh, gain financial security, gain financial empowerment. Alta, alta means finance, so economics. So you're there to empower yourself to um, to grow your economics, grow your financial stability. That is the most important thing. Without finance, without economics, you have no reason to exist. That is what I said yesterday. That is contrary to what Pakistan says. That is contrary to what uh, Islam says. Alta is your most important economics, my dear friend. And through your wholehearted engagement, through positive empowerment, through knowledge, not through slavery, not through cheating, not through war, not through capture, but through volunteer, through to hard work of yourself. The third part is Kama. Kama is pleasure. It's your pleasure. It is important for you to give yourself pleasure when you have worked so hard. So Dharma means you have, you have engaged in the foundation of life that is knowledge and you're on a continuous cycle of gaining the knowledge. Um, then you've in, in, then you've using the knowledge to empower yourself with economics and gain that financial solidity. Uh, then you are using that the the fruit of the action. Okay, so if you, Im- you invest in good action, you'll get a positive result. It is not you to decide the fruit of the action. Your duty is to invest in the action in the economics, and the fruits will come automatically. When you get the fruits of the action, then at that point you go and um. In, in use that uh, economic uh, bounty for pleasure, to please yourself, either through books, either through holidays, either through material, uh, either through land, either through vacations, either through sports. It is important to pleasure, to give yourself pleasure, to enjoy your life. You can't be making money all your life. So that is um, kama. Okay, uh, pleasure. It is important to make yourself happy, to be happy. So pleasure is an important part of life. Okay, so use your economics. If you do not invest in education, you will not get uh, the foundation for economics and you will not know how to gain financial independence. If you don't have financial independence, you do not know how to gain uh, pleasure. You will not be able to pay yourself pleasure. And once you finish with that pleasure, uh, or should I say beyond 60 and, and up till 60, around that age, okay, now you come to the last stage of your life, moksha, liberation, where you use the knowledge of that journey that you've gone and liberate yourself. You have to liberate yourself with your uh, ideologies that you've gained, the experience that you've gained, the knowledge that you gain gained to the next generation. That means you have to share this 
this journey. You have to share your plus the minus, the, uh, the successes and the failures. What did you do right? What did you do wrong? Share it with your next generation because by the time you're 60, you are a grandparent. Or if you're not a grandparent, then at that point, you will have... Um, you know, other people, youth around you, use that time of your retirement, of your, um, of the ending part of your life to give uh, to the next generation knowledge, talks, empowerment, uh, success, uh, reasons for failures and success, uh, conversations, um, you know, um, um, you know, talks with the next generation, give them all the knowledge that you've attained and liberate yourself from that uh, baggage, undo the baggage, introspect and share it. That means give it up to the next generation, liberate yourself from this knowledge and let others gain in the knowledge just as when you were young, you gain in the knowledge from the previous cycle. So you came the previous cycle, your grandparents gave you the knowledge. Now it's your turn to give that knowledge. And over time, slowly by slowly, you, you liberate yourself from the material uh, requirements, requirements of life, whatever you have gained in material, your home, your land, and give it up to the next generation, your children, your grandchildren, or um, charity, because you're going to go to your grave empty-handed. So so it's important for you to understand that you have to liberate yourself from the physical, which is the assets, physical assets, and the metaphysical, uh, which is the knowledge, the energy, the empowerment. That is important. So these are the four duties of life. Now, we follow them automatically because we do have to go to childhood. We do have to go to education. We do have to gain economic independence. We do have to have pleasure. We do have to have liberation. It's automatic. The subconscious is already already doing it, but you have to align your conscience with it. Okay, uh, your duty of dharma is to align. You're always aligning. Yagna, 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 yagna. Alignment is alignment and realignment. Because remember, we are cyclic. We are moving. We are moving. We are always evolving, and that is important for dharma. That is what the basis of dhar- dharma is. And because we are dharmic society, we know that we always engage in that and we follow it. We do not follow a flat earth theory where we live in fear. And this is why we are always empowered. I mean, for thousands of years, we've been a very rich society. We've unfortunately gone through a very dark period of the last 1500 years or 2000 years, which invasions. Why did the people come here? Because we were rich. We were very powerful. We were very uh, knowledgeable. We had knowledge of universities. We had knowledge of other cultures coming to our land, uh, exchanging information, exchanging knowledge. Uh, People, students from all over the world came and exchanged their knowledge with us. And that's important to know that. And we shared in the information, we gave them our information. It was not a flatter theory uh, education society um, like we have today. Education in the ancient world, and even before the Abrahamic groups came along and destroyed our universities, Education was about engaging in in knowledge and discussions with other groups, other people, youth, 
uh, older generation, new generation, and that was what education was. And so we have the capacity and people who were not very happy with what we have, wanted to take what we have without paying their dues. Well, they came, they colonized, they invaded, they occupied, they converted, and today you have these different you know, relics of colonial empires. But we've gone through very hard times. But we understand that life is a continuous cycle. So we'll go down, but we'll also go up. And we'll also go down again because we're currents and waves. The waves uh, rise up in the right, and the waves go down. And then they finish on the beach and the next wave is coming, next generation. So it's a continuous cycle. And because we understand that, we are not locked into this slavery of ideology that I am the truth, the way of life. I am the best God. I'm the only God, the last prophet, the first prophet, the middle prophet, the in-between prophet, the only book, the real book, only heaven, the only I'm taking you to heaven. I, it, it, I mean, that it, is, are they going anywhere else? And th- compare this to what Pakistan is doing, compare this to what the Islamic societies are doing, what Christian societies are doing. I mean, you've got no- South America where the economies are in tatters, okay? Why, there are more people dying there, the more Christians dying there than in India. Why are they not talking about that? Because it doesn't matter. As long as you have a Christian label, automatically you're going to heaven. And that is their only goal, for you to go to heaven. The rest of the thing is not important. Like I said, again in Islam, it doesn't matter what your feelings are. You have to do the work of Allah. Allah means going to heaven. Uh, Allah means convert everyone to the best religion of, of Allah, best deen, which is Islam. And Allah will then send you to heaven because that is your, is your duty. And this is what I said in yesterday's podcast. Uh, you can go to yesterday's podcast and take a look at it. But this is by and large why we have such great economics and even if we go down we've got problems in india and yes it's not perfect in india but we will always rise up and we will come down again and that is one of the reasons why india uh, pakistan wanted to separate or the people jinnah wanted to separate because even in in muslim areas pakistanis muslims were poor okay uh, they were slaves of the mullahs and tullahs which they still are today Okay, Muslims were poor. The bulk of the people in Punjab um, that moved on to to, uh, Pakistan were uh, Muslim, but the people owning the land and the people owning the the businesses were all Hindus. Similarly in Karachi, similarly in Lahore, similarly in Dhaka. And they were told that um, it was Hindu hegemony, Hindus were oppressing the people, Hindus were bad, and that's why the, the uh, Muslims were poor and Muslims were abused. But look at them now, there are no Hindus there, they are still poor. They are still everywhere you go in society, they are in, in Islam, in African societies, Asian societies, there's poverty galore. Why? There's a reason because of this mentality, which is absolutely ignorant. It's a flat earth mentality. They do not understand that we are cyclic. Their duty is to go to heaven and hell. Their duty is to produce as many people on this planet, uh, not invest in the economics. And because of that, they're going to heaven. So it doesn't matter. But then when you have Ramzan, you're always doing only one thing. You're doing, you're asking for zakat. All these poor people, where is the God? 
When he produces the, 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 the children, doesn't he give you the ability to have the economics to protect him? Or is he just producing kids? I mean, you have people dying there and they have four and five and six and seven kids. Turkey, Syria, uh, all the refugees, six, seven, eight kids. But there's no economics for that. But as long as they're Muslim, it's okay. So it's the contrast of the ideology that is important. Uh, an ideology which says the earth is flat, just produce the kids and you're going to heaven. And that's most important to you. Allah will take care of you or Jesus will take care of you while on earth you're poor. Um, that is not an ideology that's going to sustain you and give you confidence. Dharma is going to give you confidence because it's cyclic and you have to understand that we are not a flat earth theory. Um, yes, we are poor right now. Or not, we are not poor, but we are coming up. The reason is because we have been led by, we've been 1500 years or 2000 years of Abrahamic invasions and, and occupation. Uh, we have the last 70 years, we've had socialist flat earth mentality, us versus them, divide and rule, which has left us high and dry, which has taken away our dignity, which is worse than the Abrahamic groups that came in. And that's why we've gone down the tubes, but we are slowly, slowly coming up. You have to keep the faith, my friends understand the cycles, make every junction into an intellectual laboratory, and we will rise up uh, to a better future. Thank you very much. I hope you have a great, great day. Cheers and stay safe.